Folks, I just want to welcome you to Repose in the Matrix. Um, we're getting a little late start tonight. I am getting a little late start tonight. It's 11.32 on a Thursday evening, uh, the 8th, excuse me, the 26th of August, 2021. <clears throat> um, a lot of neat things have been happening recently. I mean, a lot of bad things, but neat things also. Um, I'm noticing that a lot of people are starting to fight back. There's a lot of people now that that see this especially in Oregon, that see this new mandate to remask again, even outdoors when there's gatherings, is a bunch of horse hockey. Um, they're t- we're tired of this. We're just, it's it's got to end. Um, people are tired of being bamboozled. They're tired of being told, you know, free, free people, free adult men and women in this country are being told by a bunch of elitists what to do. And that has never watched very well with the American people. Now, yeah, for the last year and a half, and in other cases and in other instances, uh, uh, people do tend to be like sheep the first time. Uh, the American public has always been like that. Um, you know, remember being uh, on the playground at school, you had the bully and uh, <clears throat> or the the jock maybe that tried to assert himself over the others, and he would come up and push the kid, and you know the kid would, would go back and. Um, if it turned out well, the kid only was pushed once and then he, he started fighting back. And then uh, the aggressor realized that he couldn't win and uh, he uh, backed off and, and went away to bother somebody else. And I know bothering somebody else is in the way, <laughs> really good way to, uh, to do things. But, you know, uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And uh, pardon me, folks, I know I look like I'm preoccupied. I just want to get onto the channel. I just want to make sure that we're broadcasting live. Yes, we are. Okay. Um, special shout out to our friends on on, um, <clears throat> on the Twitch TV. Um, hi there, if you happen to be watching tonight, uh, which is highly doubtful because uh, you know this is a spur of the moment thing. Uh, but if you are, you know, hey, hey, howdy, how you doing? Uh, greetings from uh, the People's Republic of Oregon. And uh, on the uh, the west coast of what used to be a free and uh, a free country. Uh, and it's I don't know. The whole thing we're going to talk about tonight is if it's too late to get back to what we were or even better than what we were. Because one thing Americans do is after they finally wake up, they they don't just go back to the, what the status quo was before all the problems started to happen. They try to fix things so that those things can't happen again. And I've got a feeling that's what's going to happen. So praise the Lord and hallelujah about that. Um, You probably, if you listened to the last show or maybe the show before that, I can't really remember when I said it, but um, I was getting an ultrasound on my left leg. um, That was last week, I think, or maybe the week before. Time flies when you're retired and having (laughs) fun. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) You can read my face really easy, okay? A lot of people say that, so just... If you can't understand if I'm being serious or kidding around, just look at my face because I usually give this dumb grin, you know, uh, and give it away. Anyway, um, yeah, people are getting fed up and and we're not going to take it anymore. You know, Um, in this state, uh, starting, what was it, starting tomorrow, actually, the mandate starts tomorrow that people have to be masked up um, even when they go outside and are in areas, uh, open spaces where there are large areas. Now, who determines what a large area is? You know, um, you can go to a city park. That's a large area, and there can only be maybe five people. Some of the city parks around here are very big. And so if there's five people in a park, and we're all dispersed over the whole park, 
Um, is five a large crowd? Who knows? Um, I guess that's left up to the determination of the police department or the people that are enforcing the, the stupid mandate rules. And if you're a police officer and you have to enforce those, I, I please, I ask you and I beg you just to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I'll just go over and talk with the people. I won't even bring up the subject. I just want to talk with them and say hi and, you know, how you doing and stuff like that. And, um, and not enforce stupid rules, okay? Because they are stupid rules. Uh, we know that this, uh, this infection, I don't call it a virus. Uh, I call it an infection for obvious reasons. But in uh, those reasons, you can listen to other radio shows where I've talked about that. There's one I talked about how I didn't think it was a virus. I think it's a, uh, uh, an organism uh, that's sort of like a malaria um, and, and another or, uh, kind of a crossbreed between a bacteria and a plasmonid. And and that's what's infecting people. And uh and I had a nice talk with Ralph Epperson today. If, um, I'm sure if you've listened to our show um, at all, you know who Ralph Epperson is. He's a very intelligent man. He's he's up in his 80s, and I think he's 84, but sharp as a whip. And um, he's written several books about conspiracies, about the, the Masons and about the New World Order. And I don't even think we should call them conspiracies because those things are real. You know, it's, it's, it's a truth, a truthism now. It's not a conspiracy anymore. Um, it was one time, but not anymore. So, um, anyway, uh, I was talking with him and we were talking about all these things about the, 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 uh, death jab and, uh, you know, and then we went into John F. Kennedy is junior. Is he still alive? And then oh, we went into a bunch of different subjects and a very intelligent man and, and, uh, and thinks with a lot of logic. Okay. And I like people like that. I don't like people that fly off the handle and, on spurious different things that they might bring up. And uh, Ralph is really good. As a matter of fact, uh, I took the liberty of, of inviting of inviting him onto the radio show on Monday night, our regular radio show on Monday night. And he um, graciously accepted. And uh, we'll be talking about a bunch of uh, current events because Ralph knows a lot about things in the past, uh, the Kennedy assassination, the, how the Mormons were formed. The Mormons, sorry. Sorry, Mormons. I didn't mean that. How the... Um, Masons were formed. Uh, Billy the Kid, that he really lived to be into his hundreds. Uh, and a lot of other things. Very interesting stuff and, and stuff that you probably haven't heard of before. So I highly recommend that, you know, he's got a book called The New World Order and his name is Ralph Epperson. Very good book. I've got it on my, well, it's on my bookshelf over here now. It's not back there anymore. Um, another one is um, The Unseen Hand, which is a really good book. And I don't think that book will ever be out of date because it basically talks about human nature and how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And how that's been the case in this country for a long, long time. And um, it started out with a little bit of corruption. Now it's a country that's basically run by the, uh, the elite, the, uh, the satanic, satanic elite and a uh, very good book. And he's got other books out too. He's got a website. I'll uh, just type in Ralph Epperson, E P P E R S O N. And you'll find his website and, and see all the interesting things that you can read about that he studied and researched. And and he doesn't just research, um, you know, like he doesn't just doesn't go to Wikipedia and find one thing. He finds one thing, of course, but then he builds on it. And by the time he's done, it looks like a family tree. You know, it starts out with one thing and goes like this all over here and over this. It's, it's really good. Um, he really can keep your attention. I picked up his book, The Unseen Hand, one day and I started reading it. 
And I read it that whole day. I read it till I went to bed. I got up in the morning and I, I used to have these nice times where I'd go out front when the weather's kind of cool in the morning during the summer. Um, and I sit out in a rocking chair and I just sit there and in the afternoon too, actually, when it's starting to cool down, um, I sit out there with a good book and, you know, Ralph's, um, unseen hand was, was in my seen hand, <laughs> seen hands. And, um, and I started reading it and, and, and man, it's just, I read it till it was done. And it was no uh, simple feat either because it's a very long and very detailed book and you kind of really have to go slow because there's so many details in it that it's either listen to it, read it slow and listen to it and get it or read the book real fast and then read it again. And I don't like redoing stuff. So although I could probably use a reread on it now. And uh, so anyway, you know, if you get a chance, pick up one of his, one or both or all of his books and uh, he's got a little he's got DVDs and um you know, videos and things that, that are, you know, can basically explain his, what's in his books. You know, that's what his whole premise is. Uh, very detailed uh, research into the Kennedy assassination uh, with some revelations that I'd never heard of before, but it make a lot of sense. And he backs them up with pictures, with documents, and all nine yards. So uh, he's a very capable researcher that doesn't get recognized the way he should be recognized. So, um Anyway, like I said, pick up his books, pick up his papers, watch his videos and the whole nine yards. But uh, um, I highly recommend him. He's he's a not just a friend, but he's an excellent researcher. And I really try to model. He reminds me a lot of my dad, actually. So my dad never left any stone unturned, but he always went into, you know, he, he would look at a word and then he would look at the definition of the word. Then he would look at the, the definition of the words that described that were described in the excuse me, in the definition. And, you know, and. So he never really went into anything lightly, and neither does Ralph. And it's I, I like that kind of work. Actually, I kind of that kind of research is fun to read, um, and it's very enlightening, and it really helps me to understand the way things are, why the things why things are the way they are, and, and things like that. So yeah, I know I'm talking a little fast. I had a cup of coffee earlier. I haven't drank coffee very much recently, so uh, but it seems to make me more lucid. So um, what the heck. <laughs> um, Anyway, um, what I've done tonight, I've, I've compiled videos from uh, from YouTube and other sources of several people that have, have woken up. And, uh, you know, you know, I think the first one's a fireman and there's um, there's a sheriff uh, in the area. Um, I think he's in this area. <clears throat> um, healthcare professionals and, and everything else uh, that have woken up and realized that this vaccine is not what it's supposed to be. Um, and they're refusing to take it. And the only way we're going to get through this, folks, is if we refuse to comply with their wishes. You know, we could you could write papers all day long and post them all over town. Um, and that's, you know, I'm not discouraging that. That's a good thing in many cases because that helps people to wake up. But the, the real thing is to, to resist. And <clears throat> I was thinking about it earlier because my, my website has, is and has been since about the year 1999, right around there. Uh, called the delusion resistance and and we resist and uh, expose different things that are going on in this world that are satanic uh demonic uh that deal with fallen angels or you know have fallen angels as the crux of what this belief what a belief system is um we see the the world as a matrix that we live in right now basically maybe like a hologram um uh, that can be broken if, if you wake up and you start not believing it well uh, where did it start? It started with Adam and Chava or Adam and Eve. Um, Eve, you know, it was beguiled. It says beguiled by the snake, uh, the serpent. 
And if you read into that and you go deep enough into your research, you find out the serpent is the Nakash and, and it's described or defined as a bright shining creature, upright standing creature. So it wasn't a snake, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people believe that, but it's, it's kind of ludicrous. And it really, um, it uh, takes away the, the credibility of people uh, that people think you, you don't know what you're talking about when you say, hey, you know, there's this chick in this garden and she was talking to the snake and everything else. Now, yeah, that's <laughs> what kind of drugs are you on when you when you read this? <laughs> you know? But uh, no, it was it was Nakash. It was, you know, it was Lucifer um, in a bright, shining kind of like a, and, and it talks about in scripture that Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, um, can be deceiving because he can come as an angel of light. An angel of light means an angel of purity, an angel that tells the truth and stuff like that. He can come that way, but he's, you know, full of lies. And and uh, have, have you tried to uh, seduce, not seduce, that's a bad word. Have you tried to deceive the Son of God after he was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days, the Son of God was Yeshua? Um, if he has the tenacity to do that or tenacity, um, then he surely will try to deceive you and I. Um, who don't have the uh, the wherewithal to, well, we're not God, <laughs> okay? Um, but trying to um, lie to and uh, corrupt the Son of God, who is God, um, it takes a lot of guts, you know? But uh, like Satan's crazy, he's he's insane, he really is. And uh, and it causes them to do some things that, uh, that are kind of crazy in nature and, He's like the king of the liberals, you know, liberalism's a mental disorder. Well, you know, you got the you got the president of mental disorders at the top and his name is Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer. Um, and I'm not just making that up. It's it's scripturally sound. It really is. Um, if you're a creative being like if I created got a bunch of clay and I created uh, a, a vase or how about a statue? <laughs> Boy, that would be funny because I have no artistic tell you, talent whatsoever. Um, stick figures are hard for me to draw. Um, I mean, I, I've mechanical ability and everything else, but when it comes to any kind of artistic endeavor, forget it. Um, I will never have paintings hanging in the Louvre and I will never have, um, uh, statues like Michelangelo sitting in Paris or in Rome. And, uh, so anyway, um, so if I was, uh, say a statue that I made, or there was a statue that I made out of clay and I formed it. I knew the material I made it out of, and it was my creation. It would be like the the statue of clay coming to life and telling me how to run my life or how to run my affairs. First of all, it's it's not a sentient being. It's just a statue. Uh, second of all, it's got no right telling me what to do because I'm the one that created it, and I can take my hand and go squish it right away. And, um, and that's what's going to happen to the devil, to Satan at the end. He's going to be locked up for a thousand years, let loose for a short while, deceive a lot of people again, and he's going to get tossed into a lake of fire where his uh, little boy, the Antichrist, is and the false prophet. They will have been there a thousand years if time can be reckoned in that dimension. Um, and it's it's not going to be pretty for him, and, and he's going to be here forever. So that's awesome. That really is. So that's something we got to look forward to. But um, anyway, these videos that I've compiled uh, and to put them together in this um, are from various sources, and I'll try to remember to um, to cite them as as we go along. Uh, but you could do that too because it always tells who the author is and everything else. So I um, I would leave that as a chore that both of us can do. Uh, if I remember, if I forget, you'll remember, and if you forget, I'll remember. So um, 
anyway, so I'm, I'm going to get along with and start doing this because it's it's like quarter to twelve, and I only had like four hours of sleep last night, four hours the night before. Got some sleeping stuff going on. Um, I'm a little bit worried about our finances on um, being on uh, retirement. And uh, well, you know what? It is what it is, and whatever happens, happen. I, I don't worry like I used to. Used to drive me mashuga worrying about stuff like that. But nowadays, it's like, well, whatever happens, happens. You know. <laughs> Um, I have to trust him. And if he wants us to be poor and living in our car, not to say that's going to happen. I'm just using that as an example. Um, then that, then so be it. That's what will happen. Um, we're we're kind of, well, we've got things in the works. We're looking at maybe a move uh, at some property and stuff like that. So uh, that may be happening in the future. I don't know. Uh, I've learned any more walking with Yeshua that you just live day by day. You know, you plan for the future, of course. You, we're not supposed to become... Uh, morons because we're because we're uh, followers of Yeshua we're supposed to still use our brains he gave us our brains for a specific reason and that was to logically figure things out but at the same time we can't let that get in the way of faith and and just letting him do what he wants to do and accepting it no matter what happens that that's what's supposed to be um, it's funny because last night um, I've never gotten such a fast answer to prayer and uh and I'm not going to go into specifics about what happened, but I was just telling them that, you know, I, I was sorry that I, you know, I've, my whole life I've, you know, squandered money. Uh, not I shouldn't say squandered, but I, I haven't spent it as wise as I could spend it. Okay. And I think we're all guilty of that. I really do. Um, because if you're, if you're not that way, you know, if you're totally rigid about your money, um, then you're probably not watching the show because you've have, you have to go in and count your coins, you know, but um, anyway, you know, we're supposed to be wise and, and I have never been wise in that area. But don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not a thief and I don't um, purposefully um, mishandle the money that the Lord's given me. But every once in a while, you know, you have an indulgence or something like that. Well, anyway, I got to thinking about my life last night and how that's happened and, you know, being retired now and I'm like, how the heck are we going to make it? And then and, and it hit me, you know, I just have to trust in him. Well, anyway, today I was talking with uh, somebody. I'm not going to go into who it was, but uh, there, there may be an opportunity to go in on some property with somebody. And um, who knows uh, if it works out, that's great. But it was sure would uh, settle a lot of our, uh, our uh, service when it comes to uh, what's going on financially and stuff like that. So I saw it as an answer to prayer. And uh, fellas, if, you know, when your wife comes up and says something to you, just don't blow it off. Okay. They have lots of good ideas. Now, the ideas may not be timely for what's going on right now, but, you know, who's to say that they're saying we have to do it right now? Uh, I remember when we, and I know I'm getting off the subject and I'll get back on it real quick again, but um, back, I think it was 2015, 2014, I think I had just um, finished. Yeah. I just finished nursing school and, um, and my wife has always liked to look at houses, even, you know, when we were in dire straits, oh, let's go look at a house <clears throat> and being a guy and thinking logically. Now don't think that women don't think logically, but, um, they, they throw a lot of emotion into it. And that's the, the beautiful part about the difference between men and women. You know, we kind of balance each other out if we allow that to happen. Um, but anyway, it seemed like every time we were down and out, you know, she would want to go look at houses. And I was like, oh, you know, it's 
the worst time, you know, where do we have some money? No, no. We, so we, we, so we started to pursue looking for a house. We were living in a mobile home at the time in a 55 and over community. And, uh, I don't know. We just didn't mesh with the management there. And, and when you live in one of those places, you kind of yearn to be free unless you're really old and you just want to retire and not have any responsibility whatsoever. Um, but I wasn't that old at that time. Neither was my wife. And, um, so we started looking around and uh, we, we received a real miracle because we picked up a nice piece of property, um, albeit it's real close to one of the highways that go through town here. But And we hear trucks and all stuff all the time and cars that uh, I swear in this in this this county, it, it's against the, it's against the social norm to have a muffler on your car. Um, it's amazing. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, your car doesn't sound cool. It would sound better with headers on it. But without a muffler, it sounds like an old junker car. But you can't get through the people on that, you know. And I think a lot of it, too, is that this is kind of a depressed area financially or um, economically. It's the word I'm looking for. And if a person loses a muffler, it might be hard for them to afford to get another muffler. So, And it's just thankful that Oregon doesn't have uh, smog checks. <laughs> um, yeah, because that would drive a lot of people further into poverty. But uh, anyway, let's get back on the subject here. So there's a lot of people waking up. A lot of people are saying, wait a minute, something's wrong here. I thought this vaccine was supposed to make people so that they couldn't get sick. So why do we get the vaccine if they're getting sick again after getting after getting the vaccine? Why are they coming down with COVID-19 again? Uh, well, it's a Delta variant. You know, well, you know, prove to me that it's a Delta variant. Um, why isn't it just a regular? Um, and, and I understand that, that viruses do mutate, but. Uh, many things that mutate usually become less and less virulent or less and less powerful after they start to to mutate. And uh, it would be a freak of nature if a virus were to get worse uh, in a mutation. I really do think so. And uh, the law of mutations kind of says that. Law of mutation says that if something is mutated, if, if genes are mutated um, in, an, in an individual or, a, um, or an animal or even a plant, um, it usually acts negatively or is deadly to the to that person, animal, or plant. Um, as a matter of fact, 99.99% of mutations are that way. So why would a virus be the opposite? Probably isn't, uh, although we're being taught that it is. So anyway, people are getting fed up. They're saying, you know, we did this mass thing last year, and look, people still got sick. And, and now Fauci said, Several times he, he waffles back and forth, you know, one time masks don't help you. And the next time we should wear masks. Another time we need to wear two masks. Um, you know, the guy is a, a walking uh, contradiction. He really is. And he's an embarrassment to us Italian people. He really is. You know, um, this he is where you get the term dumb guinea from, you know. Um, yeah, he's got probably. um maybe two masters and a PhD uh, certificates hanging on his wall. That doesn't mean you're, you can be smart, but not be wise. Okay. Wisdom is taking what you have and applying it the correct way. Uh, Fauci in that regard, Fauci is doing everything wrong. Okay. Um, so anyway, people are, are really starting to, do I see somebody in a chat room here? Oh no. It's an ad. Figures. Um, anyway, so people are getting tired of uh, the false narrative. The uh, uh, you know, 
especially now, because there's a bunch of us that refuse to take vaccines. And it would probably be the last thing I'd ever do on this earth while I still have breath going into my lungs. That's how much how strong I feel about it. Um, but uh, so there's a bunch of us that that won't do that. And, and, and even even people that got the vaccine are starting to wake up and see that there's something. I think that they sense that there's something wrong. They can't really put their mind on it or their, put their eye on it, but um, they sense that something's wrong. But people that like us that talk about conspiracies or stuff, they don't want to have to do anything with conspiracies, these people, you know. Um, it's like conspiracies are a little too far advanced for them. And they, they really don't want to go that far. They don't want to learn that far. So anyway, um, I tell you, any any evolutionary stuff in their thinking that they get is is a is a you know praise the Lord moment. But uh, they've got to learn to let go and and, and let God basically or, or let go and listen. Um, <clears throat> I know I used to be very dogmatic about things. I didn't believe things, and I ended up falling on my face several times. <laughs> Not from tripping, but you know metaphorically. And uh, and I learned, you know, that I have to learn and listen to both sides of everything and then determine it by listening to both sides what's really going on. But um, so, you know, we're going to listen to um, or watch, excuse me. Uh, and for those of you that are going to listen to this in the radio, on the radio, uh, there's there's talking constantly in these videos. So although you don't see the images and the people in it, you will hear what they're saying. OK. Um, and I picked those out especially for you guys because there's nothing worse than dead air um, on a radio show. So, you know, when you're driving home late at night and you're listening to a radio show um, and then all of a sudden there's dead air for 15 minutes, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I've, it's put me to sleep several times anyway. But uh, so anyway, we're going to talk about uh, or watch these videos. Uh, one of them has to do with soldiers uh, being forced to take the vaccine. And a lot of them are saying no. Uh, actually, about a third of them are saying no. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna, they're going to talk about firing people for not taking the vaccine. Um, and uh, how it's uh, the situation as it is right now is, is ripe for, um, for people to get pissed off and, and for there to be kind of a revolution that goes on in its, in its respect. Um, let's see. Well, anyway, I'll go into some more of this after we listen. It's going to take a little while to listen to these. I'll try to, um, if I think that there's a, an item of interest in the video, I'll stop it and we can we can talk about it. And then um, I'll try to make some little comments between videos. Uh, actually, it would be unkind of me not to introduce the video. So there's a comment right there. So I'm going to go ahead and <clears throat> excuse and do this. And I've <clears throat> because this program is so buggy when it comes to uh, sharing a screen. I found out that what I what I usually do now is I I take one tab on uh, <clears throat> one tab in the morning and I call the doctor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I take one tab on on the top of uh, Google because you have to use Google when you're using um, uh, Melon. Um, why I don't know, but they suggest for the best results you do that. And uh, and I think they're right because I've looked at things and it haven't worked out using other browsers. But anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, what I got to do is, is um, I kind of hit the show screen thing on there, on, and then I have to go to the screen. So I won't be able to actually, well, yeah, I will be able to see what's going on, but, you know, I won't be able to watch me. <laughs> uh, not that I, I like watching me, um, but uh, 
anyway, let me stop talking and just get on with it. So here we go. We're going to go here. Okay, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to enlarge the screen because I think that's very important. And then, uh, so this guy, um, he works for the Los Angeles Fire Department. Uh, I think he's kind of a big wig, muckety muck there. He's been working there for you know three de- three decades, and uh, and they've well, I'll let him explain it to you. Okay, here we go. My name is Christian Granucci. I'm a captain with the Los Angeles City Fire Department. I'm a 31 year veteran with this agency. And I'm more than likely going to catch total grief from my administration from this. But I am done being silent on this matter. And so are many of our members. And this is regarding the vaccine mandate by the city of Los Angeles for all city employees. We saw this tyranny coming. We saw it coming across the Pacific. And a week and a half ago, it landed in Honolulu with the Honolulu Fire Department. And we watched a passionate plea from Captain Pelikai, literally in tears, being forced to resign because he chose not to take the vaccine. Forced to leave the department after faithfully serving it for years. Then it landed on our coast. It hit San Francisco, it hit San Francisco fire. And we heard the stories up there. Our union representation stood by idly and played a wait and see. That's what they usually do. and sat on their hands. Well, now it's here in Los Angeles and the mandate has come down from the mayor and the city council that we, all city employees, including first responders, shall take the vaccine. we do not take the vaccine, we have to be subjected to testing twice a week. If we refuse that, termination. Again, I'm a 31-year veteran of this department. I have literally bled for this department. I used to love coming to work. I respected the administration of this department at one point. I even respected our union leadership. And now they are in lockstep with total tyranny. 
I want you to be clear on this. I want everyone to be clear on this. This is not about politics. This is not about left or right. This is not about red versus blue. This is not about Republican versus Democrat. This isn't even about vaccinated versus unvaccinated. This is tyranny. This is about freedom of choice. The department has said that we can seek medical exemptions if we so choose, if we can. That is a pie in the sky. We can even try and seek some kind of religious exemption, but they know that they have end runs around those. The vaccine, the vaccinations will come. And then after that, it will be a booster and another booster and another booster. And when will this end? Good point. When will this tyranny stop? I'll tell you where it's going to stop. It's going to stop right here right now and I am putting my administration and my union on blast you had the opportunity to get in front of this and you didn't we want to give you the opportunity to do the right thing and represent the membership you'd think that the union that's there fighting for the little guy would jump in front of this and this would have all kinds of handles on it for you to grab and run this in for a touchdown. But no, you decided to play politics with this. And you have the you have half this department. You have you have a split right down the middle. And this is what tyrants want. They want to split down the middle. They want to divide and conquer. I am so hopping mad right now, you have no idea my head could pop. Again, we want to give our union the opportunity to step in front of this and do the right thing. But know this, there is a large group of us in the hundreds, and we have an attorney on retainer, and he is a shark. We'll give you the opportunity to stand up and take the fiery arrows from the adversary of tyranny and step in front of this and fight for us. But if you don't, our plan B, a large group, and it is growing by the day, 
We have him on retainer, and we will seek legal counsel, and we will take the fight to you, the city of Los Angeles. Again, I'm going to catch so much grief for this, but I don't care. I wouldn't be able to look at my wife. She's going to kill me. I wouldn't be able to look at my wife, though, and my sons in the eye as they grew up under total tyrannical law and rule. When I had a chance to stop this, I had a chance to fight, but I did nothing. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than the Los Angeles City Fire Department. This is bigger than my union. I don't recognize this place anymore. I don't recognize this country. I don't recognize this state. I don't recognize this department anymore. Again, I want you to be very clear. I want everyone to be very clear on this. This is not a political issue. This is not left-right. This is not Democrat-Republican. This is not vax-unvaxed. This is a fight for freedom of choice, free will. This is a fight against tyranny. Make no bones about it, we have an uphill battle. A sizable financial commitment from several hundred of our members. I don't want to be doing this at the end of my career. I'd love to do a few more years on this department and just fade off into the sunset. But you know what? Damn it, this landed in our lap. And we got to do something. We can't sit back and let this happen. Let this happen to our country. I'll leave you with this. And I saw this online a couple days ago. It was a gym owner in Oceanside, California. And like so many businesses here in California, they have just been knuckled under. And he was speaking in front of his city council. And he pointed at them. And he said, you told us like the country's administration told us, and you, our city government, told us, just give us two weeks to flatten the curve. And this has gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to show me your papers. We all see what's happening here. 
I can't sit idly by anymore. If things have moved that fast in the last 18 months, where the hell will we be in the next 18 months? God bless all the first responders out there. You need to turn around and put your union on check and have them fight for you. And if they don't, you take the battle to them any way you can and you assemble all the numbers that you can, as many people as you can, and you take the fight to them. We outnumber them. I'm out. That was awesome. Wasn't that awesome, folks? And, folks, if you were listening and you didn't see it, the, the look on this guy's eyes is looks like he was vacillating between um, tears and anger. And I've seen that look in people before, and that's a dangerous look. <laughs> you know, it's – and this guy looks like he could chew any one of us up and spit us out. I mean, he's a real buff guy and everything. And But um, he's right. The unions are worthless. Unions have been worthless for a long time, probably for 30 years now. And uh, all they do is they suck in money and um, spend it on things that we don't necessarily agree with. Um, I went through the same thing at the state hospital, you know, when I worked there. Um, Oh, yeah, we represent you, you know, and, and everything else. And then when things got rough and I needed them, they weren't there. They pretended to be there, but they weren't there. And, uh. And then when you tried to press the issue, you know, because you got some brainiacs working on the higher positions in the union. And one of them was a psychologist. And, uh, you know, he started getting pretty crappy. You know, he started um, getting really sharp when he talked, you know, like uh, me, me, psychologist, me, intellectual, you, nothing, you know. And and uh, I realized I couldn't deal with that guy anymore. So I started dealing with the lower people, you know, the, the shop steward stuff. And, um and, you know, well, I think a couple of them had the right intentions. They were just so overburdened with different things that they, you know, it's just like anything else. When you get into something, if you really care, if you really have a passion about something, you end up doing all the work. There's a something called the 95-5 principle, uh, meaning that 5% of the people do 95% of the work. And that's the way it usually turns out with uh, with a position like that. You know, you want to help people, and, but you end up so overburdened, so overworked, uh, so burnt out. You just can't do it anymore. Well, the fat cats up in the union, you know, they're they're raking in, you know, five figures, six figures every year. Um, I don't know. I, I like the idea of unions, but I, don't know. I haven't been in a good union for many, many years. Back in the 80s, I was. I was in a, um, a trade union down in California, and they cared about you. They, If you had a concern, you actually hopped in his car and went out and talked to the guy that gave you a hard time, you know. Um, but nowadays, they're just uh, super absorbing black holes that want to take your money and do absolutely nothing. And, and the case of my being up at the state hospital is almost like they were a union for the for the administration um, and not for the workers that were paying them the money. So um, they were about as worthless as um, teats on a boar hog, you know. Um, so anyway, you know, it's I don't know. I understand it's frustration. I really do. 
And, uh, and I'm glad he's got hundreds of people on his side or, you know, they're all a consortium together and they're going to go do something. But in my case, you know, it was like, um, you know, yeah, we're behind you, you know, with my fellow coworkers, we're behind you. Uh, but <laughs> I swear if, if you had to turn around and, and elicit their, um, their help, you, you'd hear crickets uh, in the background because they wouldn't be there. So not their fault, you know, really, because a lot of people are, um, intimidated by union uh, bosses. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've been around real union bosses, you know, the trade unions and, uh, I've known teamsters and stuff like that. You know, people that if you looked at them the wrong way, they're going to, um, you know, they're going to cut your arm off or something. So, but you know, they always, they always stood up for you, but these, these pencil pushers that they got in there now are, are, are worthless. They're, they're garbage. And, uh, that was an SEIU union, um, here up in Salem actually. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, if it wasn't for Oregon being a right to work state and that they could fire you just for, you know, giving them a cross look, um, if it wasn't for that, you know, I think that uh, unions wouldn't survive here in Oregon. I really do. I think that, like I said, they're super absorbing black holes that all they want to do is take your money and do nothing for you. So, and there's plenty of people out in the world that want to do that. And if I want to have that done, I'll, I'll go to a used car lot and buy a car or, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to somebody worthless and try to get their services because they probably get more out of them than I did at a union up in Salem, Oregon. So, Anyway, the next uh, video, and I've got a few of them up here, so i, I got to look and see what it is. Oh, sorry, folks. Let's just, let's just put a pause on that. Uh, okay, I can skip the ad now. Okay, here we go. Oh, what in the world happened? Okay, hold on. Marona me. Let's skip to the next video. Okay, we can, there we go. Are opting to not take the vaccine or saying they want to wait Military because uh, many of them believe that they don't need it, that uh, they feel they've had COVID or friends have had COVID and it wasn't bad, or they're very worried about the vaccine itself. They're afraid it'll have side effects or uh, that it just, uh, it was created too quickly and they don't know what it will do. So the military leaders that I talked to across the country are saying that they've seen as little as one third of their members agreeing to take the vaccine. Other units range between 50 and 70 percent. Um, and it, it varies wildly by where they are, whether or not they're deploying their age um, and other factors. Much like the general population, younger service members are less likely to want to take the vaccine and that as the service member is older and as they increase in rank, they are far more likely to take the vaccine. The interesting thing is in the military, normally these service members are used to following orders. But in this case, they have a choice because the vaccine is not yet fully approved by the FDA. And so still it's isn't. voluntary for them to influence them in order to take the vaccine, military leaders have done all kinds of things. They've put out videos. They've taken pictures of themselves getting shots. They send out notices. They just have this urgent plea, please take the vaccine. What they're finding is it isn't always working. And in particular, they're finding that the service members don't really want to listen perhaps to the senior leaders and instead 
the influencers more likely these days are their own peers that if they're on a team and everyone on the team is getting it, they'll get it. It is improving as time goes on. Several senior leaders have said that they expect that this vaccine is going to be mandatory. And at that point, they're just not going to have a choice. Huh. That's kind of sad, isn't it? It really, really is. Um, and now the uh, this video, I think, was made before uh, the uh, Secretary of Defense made an edict that everybody had to go get it. Okay, so it's no longer a choice. Now, she said that some in some cases, only a third of them are getting it. Um, now, here, here's an opportunity, really, for these service people to, uh, servicemen and women, I should say. They're not really service people. And, and the, the way the term is uh, commonly known, they're, they're uh, military service people. Anyway, um, they're, they have a crucial job to fulfill, like like everybody else does, really, but even more because they protect our liberties and our freedoms, so for the most part. But um, anyway, so if they were to, in mass, just say, no, we're not going to do this, what are they going to do? Are they going to court-martial two-thirds of the military? No, they're not going to do it. So I think it's very important that the, the military uh, members, that they they stick up for themselves and for each other. Uh, when it comes to this uh, forced inoculation, just say no. Just say no to COVID uh, vaccine. Just say no to mRNA. You know, uh, guys, you have a chance to make a, if you're in the military, you have a chance to make a, quite a statement here. Yes, it might be a little difficult at the beginning. You know, you might be jailed. You might be because uh, you're not following an order. Um, but I want you to remember something. And I, I don't know if you can sue the military. I think you can for certain things. But uh, since this drug is um, is what, let me let me turn this around or change it. Uh, the drug companies cannot be sued if a vaccine hurts somebody. If other other drugs like pills or other injections hurt somebody, they can be sued, but not for the vaccine. But there's a caveat here. If you're ordered by an employer or a, you know a, an officer in this case. Uh, who's really taking orders from the top when you think about it, you can sue. If your employer says, I want you to take this vaccine and you don't want to take it and they make you take it, you know, using a threats or coercion and we're going to, we're going to fire you. We're going to ruin your name. You'll never be able to work in this town again. And if you don't think that's going to happen, it's going to happen. Trust me. Cause some bosses are real jerks and, and they'll do anything to, to, you know, maybe they get some money from the government and, um, you know, the, the government said, well, if you can talk your people into it, you know, we'll slip you an extra few hundred dollars or something or extra tax breaks or whatever. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. So um, anyway, service, uh, military service members, if you can refuse it. And if they put you in the brig for a while, well, so be it. Um you won't be in there very long because then they realize that they're going to have to arrest two thirds of the two thirds of the, of the military in order to get their wishes. Um, they're only going to have a third of the military and, and uh, you know, what kind of boss it can, can get his job done with only a third of his employees. Um, and here's another secret too, because if they don't get their job done with, uh, a, with a third of their employees, they have to jump in and do some of the work. And if you know, officers, they don't like to work. They think that uh, the jobs that enlisted men do, um, 
and and rec- oh, they don't have a draft anymore, but enlisted men, uh, what they do is is menial labor, and they won't do it. They're too high and mighty for that. So you got a win-win situation here. They're, they're probably going to back down after a short while, um, a very short while, because they're either going to have to do the work or they're not going to have uh, they're not going to have anybody to to give orders to. <laughs> you know, if two thirds of you are sitting in the brig and, and where's there a brig big enough to hold two thirds of all the military? I mean, you, even if you took all the, the federal prisons in the United States and uh, aside from um, Leavenworth, which is a military prison, but, and you know that, but um, you know, there's still not enough room. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'd like to see how they're, they're going to fill their numbers. If, uh, if they got two thirds of the military in jail, um, anyway, and, and some, some places have said that there's only one third that's not taking it, but still that's a sizable number. Um, well, let's look if, uh, let's just say there was a hundred people in the military and a third didn't take them. That's 33. Okay. A <clears> thousand <throat> would be 330. 10,000 would be what, um, 3,300, uh, Hundred thousand would be uh, thirty-three thousand, uh, and on and up. I mean, the more you go up, the higher the number is. And uh, how many how many military members do we have in the United States nowadays? Um, I think it's around two and a half million active military. Maybe it's three, but um, you know that's that's a sizable chunk of people that you won't have. Um, you know, keeping the base safe, uh, keeping the base clean and orderly. Um, you know, if you're in like the, the air force, the military airlift command, I don't know if they still call it the Mac, but, um, you know, if they're not there to move everything, who's going to move it, uh, SAC, if they don't have people to to fly their strategic planes, who's going to do it? Um, loadmasters on, on, um, Mac planes, you know, not a fun job. And you got to be real special to be able to do it because you got to calculate how, how much is going to go where in the plane so that it's an even flight. Uh, there's a lot of officers up there that sit up there that never would be able to do that. They're pencil pushers is what they are. And then you get up to the generals who they push pencils. They just have bigger pencils. Um, and they're all kissing uh, Biden's rear end anyway. Uh, most of them are anyway. So let's go to the next one. Okay. So that was the military. Okay, one minute. Let's see what we got. Okay, I think here. you've seen uh, by now the secretary's memo to the message to the force uh, about uh, COVID vaccines. Uh, that uh, that's public now, so I'm not going to reread it for you. I think you all can get the gist of it. I would just point out that there's sort of three elements here to it. One is that uh, that he will. A request a, a approval from the president for a waiver to make the COVID vaccines mandatory by mid-September. To make the request for the waiver by mid-September. I've seen some reporting out there that that means that all the troops have to be vaccinated by mid-September. That's not accurate. He'll make the request by mid-September unless or until FDA licensure occurs before that time. Okay. At which I gotta stop the secretary has the authority second. he needs upon FDA licensure. Okay. He says until the the uh, <clears throat> the uh, vaccination or the, the the formulation is approved by the FDA. <clears throat> In other words, it's not an emergency use uh, authorization anymore. It'll be a regular. This is a medication. 
at that time, they'll be able to say, hey, now the FDA has said this is safe. You have no reason not to take it. Um, and that's going to that's going to come up for all of us, actually, that haven't taken it. But uh, and that's what what happened this um, earlier this week when uh, the FDA, it, it, the news said that um, that the FDA had approved it um, and they gave it a name, actually. And uh, see, the news uh, pulled the big one. They lied to us big time. Um, in all reality, that drug, uh, and I can never remember the name of it, um, is um, is actually not a Pfizer drug. It's a, it's a BioNTech drug, and it's, it hasn't even been formulated yet, which I find kind of weird because usually drugs only receive um, brand names um, after they've been okayed by the FDA. So something fishy is going on here. Uh, you know, before that, it's got a, it's got a chemical name, and a lot of times the chemical name is the the uh, generic name. Um, while the company holds a patent on it, and uh, well, they, well, not patent, but uh, copyright. Well, they hold a copyright on the drug. Um, nobody else can use that generic, okay? And use copyrights, I think, seven to ten years, if I'm not mistaken, maybe more, might be fifteen years. But um, once that fifteen years has come, that the patent, if they don't renew the patent, or excuse me, I keep saying patent, the uh, the copyright, uh, if they don't renew it. Uh, then it becomes available for other people to make it generically. Uh, anyway, with the when the FDA they said it they okayed Pfizer's, which they didn't. It's still emergency use authorization, but it got a lot of people because of what the press did. It got a lot of people panicked, and I'm sure some of those people were in the military. They got panicked, and it caused them in a day's time or day, two days until the the truth came out. It caused them to go down and say, "Hey, you know, now that it's." Now that I have to take it, you might as well give it to me. And I feel bad for the people that, that had that happen because they were suckered. Big time they were suckered. And uh, and that's a shame because, you know, <laughs> one of the things that soldiers have for the most part is integrity. And when you have integrity and your bosses don't have it or or your bosses listen to the uh, the news um, and and think that the news is, is broadcasting things correctly, that's that's wrong. <laughs> it's really wrong. So anyway, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and continue this guy. But it's uh, the Pfizer mRNA vaccine is still um, EUA, okay, emergency use only, <clears throat> and it has not been okayed as a as a formulary drug uh, that people can put on their formularies and administer. Uh, oh, it's only for emergency use. <clears throat> but it's it is really weird that. BioNTech, excuse me, folks, I got to, you would not believe the air here in Oregon. It is smoky and dusty because we live in farm country. And so you got all the farmers that are dry plowing and they're putting dust up in the air. And then the fires, there's smoke, not heavy like last year, of course, but there's smoke all over the place in the air. So it really wreaks havoc on your throat. So thank you for uh, fighting with me while I, um, I got that drink. So anyway, this is all I wanted to play of this particular video because it shows that it's not, in, it's not, you know, been okay. It's just the EAU. Um, yeah. Emergency use only. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, so, you know, people were suckered and I'm sure a lot of people went into, you know, not just the military, but other people that have waited and hoped that this vaccine would not get an authorization to be a, a normal formulary drug. 
and they were suckered and probably went in today and got their shots. And then the government said, oops, we made a mistake. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You made a mistake. You're, you're in power. That's the big mistake. So, oh, for goodness sakes, I'm wondering what's going on with this because there are other videos I wanted to watch and they're not here. Um, I could find them real quick. I mean, heck, I, I really wanted you to see them. Uh, there was one by Ted Cruz. There was another one by Rand Paul. Um, oh, goodness gracious. Things like this always happen. Um, so it's not. All right. Let's see. There's not even a search thing here anymore. I guess I got to take it out of full screen. There we go. Okay, there's the one with uh, with Ted Cruz. And let's see. Pentagon announces. No, it's not what I'm looking for. Okay, let's do the one with Ted Cruz first because he um, he's really fighting against the... Uh, the he's fighting too. Okay, so everybody's fighting. He's fighting against the uh, the mandate or the 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 push to try to get a um, anti or vaccine passports and he's fighting against it. So um, I really like Ted Cruz. He's uh, at first I didn't like him because his father is uh, Rafael Cruz. Actually that's Ted's first name too, but um, Rafael Cruz, the evangelist is very, um, he's very charismatic into the charismaniac movement and, um, and into some weird stuff. And matter of fact, he, uh, he basically proclaimed Ted to be uh, God's answer to all the problems in this country. And he, in a way, he's kind of proven himself right because Ted's a real trooper and he's really uh, doing a good job in the Senate. But, um, you know, I think his father is, you know, his proud dad maybe, but uh, he was almost making a pro- prophetic proclamation, and uh, which I didn't deal with or believe in and uh, agree with. Um his father is part of the uh, new NAR, the new apostolic, new apostolic Reformation. Say that one five times fast if you can. Um, and they just get into really weird stuff like soul sucking and and uh, really weird prophetic stuff. Anyway, I don't want to uh, miscategorize them too much, but let's listen to this. And then uh, I'll try to find the one with uh, Rand Paul. So here we go with this one. This is a full three months of food without needing. Okay. Now we can fight against these people and their ads. Uh, YouTube. Oh, here we go. Skip ads. Okay, here we go. Oh, let's read two. Uh, this is an amendment that would prohibit U.S. participation in the creation of a vaccine passport. Uh, and. Let me say, I think there are a lot of Texans, I think there are a lot of Americans across the country that are very frustrated at the government responses to COVID-19. Yes. And I think the decision yesterday by the CDC to reverse its guidance and to mandate masks for vaccinated people is the kind of decision that is infuriating people across this country. Yep. I believe the CDC's decision yesterday was politics. It wasn't science. It was a decision that somehow pretends vaccines don't work. 
The CDC months ago rightly concluded that vaccinated people don't need to wear masks because the whole purpose of a vaccine is not to get the disease. That decision was right. The science hasn't changed. The only thing that has changed is the politics. A year and a half ago, the CDC was one of, if not the most respected scientific and medical organization in the country. Today, the credibility of the CDC is in tatters because leadership of the CDC has been willing to allow science to become politicized. Yeah. We've seen Dr. Fauci take virtually every position on virtually every subject under the sun. We've seen Dr. Fauci in his emails explain his view that masks don't work and are not effective in preventing COVID-19. We've then seen Dr. Fauci change his positions over and over again. We've seen Dr. Fauci say that when he told people masks didn't work, he actually believed masks did work, but he wanted people not to wear masks because he wanted first responders to have them first. (laughs) I believe that when government scientists and health experts allow politics to trump the science, it does enormous damage to the willingness of the American people to believe anything they have to say. Isn't that the truth? I think one of the aspects of yesterday's decision that illustrates the arbitrariness of this is the brand new decree that everyone in schools must wear a mask. Doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not, if you enter a school, you must wear a mask. Now, there's no great new scientific discovery that mandates this new edict. Indeed, we've seen throughout this crisis that while COVID-19 can be very, very serious for vulnerable uh, populations, for the very elderly, for those with significant comorbidities, that we've seen the incidence of serious disease with COVID-19 among children is very, very low. And there's no credible demonstration that children are, are a significant vector for spreading the disease. But CDC nonetheless said anyone who steps in a, in a school must be masked. It's not complicated why. They did so because the teacher union bosses demanded that. Yeah. That is a political decision. Political players can make political decisions. It wouldn't surprise me to see elected officials deciding I'm going to give the union bosses what they demand, but that is not what the Center for Disease Control should be doing. My view on COVID is it is serious. We should take serious steps to combat it. We have taken extraordinary steps to combat COVID-19, including an unprecedented effort to develop vaccines, hundreds of millions of which have been administered, as we've come together and fought against this disease. But we've also seen stupid policies. Yes. We've seen lockdowns across this country that have shut down small businesses, destroyed restaurants, destroyed bars, destroyed destroyed generational businesses. We've seen schools shut down. Tens of millions of children sent home for over a year. Children who are falling behind academically, who are falling behind in reading, who are falling behind in math. And the children being hurt are disproportionately low income. They are disproportionately Hispanic and African American. And nonetheless, the edicts to shut down schools have continued. They were utterly unjustifiable. 
My view is simple. We should not have mandates. What does that mean? That means no mask mandates. That means no vaccine mandates. And I will say, you know, it was interesting as I was reading through this COVID bill, Section 107, talking about what foreign governments are doing. An awful lot of the description of foreign governments can, can apply to our own government. So Section 107 of this bill says certain foreign governments have taken measures in response to COVID-19 that violate the human rights of their citizens without clear public health justification. Well, I think you could delete the word foreign in that because we've seen governments here domestically arbitrarily exercising power as well. This Section 107 also says governments using the COVID-19 pandemic as a pretext for repression have undermined democratic institutions, check, debilitated institutions for transparency and public integrity, check, quashed legitimate dissent. I might remind you that Anthony Fauci in those emails asked Facebook to silence anyone who said anything different than the government directive on speech, including if you suggested the origin of the Wuhan virus was actually in Wuhan, China, in a Chinese government lab. And Facebook willingly complied, censored that view. You're not allowed to have that view that this escaped from the government lab. Then, miraculously, a couple of months ago, the administration was forced to recognize, well, yeah, there's actually very significant evidence that the Wuhan virus escaped from a Chinese government lab in Wuhan. And beyond that, that it may well have been developed with government research with American taxpayer funding on gain-of-function research. Those views that were banned for a year are now acknowledged as having very significant scientific basis behind them. My view, there should be no mandates, no mask mandates, no vaccine mandates, and no vaccine passports. And what my amendment focuses on is just the last piece of it. Hello. (laughs) Vaccine passports, and I will say finally, Bad idea. (laughs) This should be a proposition that is bipartisan. The Biden administration at least claims to oppose vaccine passports. Jen Psaki at the White House said, let me be clear on this. I know there's a lot of questions. Psaki said, the government is not now, nor will we be supporting a system that requires Americans to carry a credential. If that is right, if that is credible, then I would urge the committee to adopt my amendment prohibiting U.S. taxpayer funds from going to or the American government participating in an international body creating a vaccine passport that would be required for Americans traveling abroad. I have a number of questions and concerns about the substance of this amendment. However, the text of this amendment is clearly outside the scope of the Foreign Relations Committee's jurisdiction. Indeed, the text is drawn directly from S-1932, a bill sponsored by the senator from Texas that has been referred to the HELP Committee. This amendment prohibits the use of federal funds for the creation of a vaccine passport system or vaccine tracking database, including at the state level, and it requires that COVID-19 vaccination records be destroyed by all federal departments and agencies. Neither of these issues fall within our committee's jurisdiction. Accordingly, I rule this amendment out of order. Mr. Chair. Mr. Chairman. Senator from Texas. Mr. Chairman, I think that jurisdictional argument is... uh, 
not justifiable based on the underlying bill. Uh, the underlying bill is about policies engaging in a bilateral basis in response to COVID. This amendment is prohibiting participating in an international organization creating a vaccine passport. This bill talks about vaccine monitoring. Uh, and this amendment set ensures that we're not establishing a federal government vaccine database that is monitoring U.S. citizens in violation of their privacy rights. This bill talks about enhancing transparency of health data, and, uh, and I think the amendment would protect the privacy of health data uh, from a vaccine passport. Uh, and this bill also talks about establishing partnerships with the private sector to improve pandemic preparedness and response. Uh, this amendment addresses the same topic, to prevent the U.S. government from working with a third party in the private sector to develop a vaccine passport and force it on the American people. And so accordingly, I, I appeal the ruling of the chair that the amendment is out of order. The Senator appears the ruling of the chair that the amendment is not in order because it is outside of this committee's jurisdiction. The question for the committee is, shall the decision of the chair be overturned. A yes vote means you wish to follow the, uh, to allow the amendment. A no vote means you agree with the chair that the amendment should not be allowed. As such, I will vote no. Yeah, figures you would. <laughs> okay. Clear differentiation between Republican, or I should say, liberal and conservative. All right, the next one I wanted to show you, and uh, I will search for. I had my ducks all in a row when I first started this. Uh, let's see. We'll get Australia. Ah, here it is. Okay, folks. Basically, um, what's going on in Australia is a travesty. It's almost like overnight they have turned into a um, an authoritarian state, a, uh, a very serious authoritarian state. And uh, I mean, it's 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 really weird to see. Basically, I'm not going to talk anymore. But let's just watch this video and then say, could this happen? Like this, it says here, um, can this nightmare come to the United States? Okay, so here we go. God, God willing in the creek don't rise. <laughs> oh, thank God for a uh, for a mute button. I really can't handle what they call music these days. So, okay, here we go. Deep concern, what's going on in Australia. And many of you have flagged it to us. We finally felt the need to cover it after a video was circulating from actual local Australian news, which is just so bonkers in the level of dystopia that they are basically enforcing a you know authoritarian, not even lockdown. I don't even know which, because it doesn't really fully capture what's happening there. This is what a news segment in Australia that ran yesterday looked like with regards to COVID. Let's take a listen. It's those doing the wrong thing driving our record case numbers. Among the most concerning cases, a COVID patient who's tonight on the run from a hotspot. Police and health authorities have issued an urgent appeal. At 
Anthony Caram knows he is COVID positive when he steps into this public lift. Already breaking so many rules, he doesn't bother to cover his mouth as he sneezes and splutters. The 27-year-old is still infectious but has gone missing from his Wentworth Point apartment. A warrant now issued for his arrest. This 27-year-old chap who apparently has expressed the view that he doesn't care less whether he spreads the virus, is one example of the worst of the worst. There's little sympathy for anyone ignoring health orders. Even this group of teenagers caught partying after dark at the bottom of the North Bondi Cliffs. Herded to higher ground by Polair's spotlight and speaker, the eight boys were placed in handcuffs and left to explain a $1,000 fine to mum. Uh, 681 penalty infringement notices issued in the last 24 hours, more than 400 of those notices were again for people being outside of their home without a reasonable excuse. Uh, I don't re- look, Anthony Karam, screw you. You shouldn't be doing that. You know, I'm, lo- I'm I've got COVID. I'm locked in my house, but uh, I don't think he should be. You know, feel like it was his name blasted by the health minister of the entire country, and then locking up a bunch of teenagers for getting drunk outside on beach. I, I you know, there's no words really to describe what the hell is going on right there. Complete authoritarianism. I think those are the words to describe what's going on there. It's insane. And just to give people context, too, um, of the level of outbreak that they're facing in Australia. So in the U.S. so far, we've had 37.5 million cases and about 628,000 deaths. In Australia, they've had under 1,000 deaths for all of coronavirus. Okay, 44,000 cases total. Um, in nearby New Zealand, they had one case and they shut down the entire country, locked down the entire country for one case. So we were just talking about, you know, getting the balance right (laughs) between freedom and, and these sort of civil liberties versus our responsibilities to each other. Australia is definitely not getting that balance right. This is completely, completely insane. These draconian measures, putting people on blast on the local news and public officials putting them on blast, levying these multi-thousand dollar fines for daring to step out of your apartment. This is complete insanity. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I've seen so many clips of health ministers and more saying like don't talk to your neighbor whenever you're outside i mean don't engage in any like basic civil conduct and i think what the really terrifying part is i don't sense all that much of a major backlash against this like many people in australia seem to be okay with it i'm not going to say that there haven't been protests there certainly have we actually have this video go ahead and play this of a children getting pepper sprayed at a protest i do want to say though please don't take your children to protest if there's a risk of getting pepper sprayed that being said i have no idea why these cops felt the need to pepper spray a 12 year old for holding up a sign that says, let me play. Let's take a brief listen to it. Where are you? Where are you? 
anything from white. Do you mind if I film this? Don't touch your eyes. You'll be alright, buddy. My goodness. Yeah, so I mean that that's crazy. You can't. You, this is a little child who's got pepper spray in his eyes for holding up signs about "Let me play." I mean, really, what we're seeing, like you said, is that they're getting the balance completely wrong. But really, I think the disturbing part is the fusion between the media and the state. And the worst part yeah. is, I did that monologue that a, bit, a while too. back about Sky News Australia and about how Sky News Australia had been taken down by YouTube for flouting, you know, whatever the government minister were saying but what all they were doing was having a debate they were having a debate on their show around the efficacy of masks around the efficacy of lockdowns and youtube actually took that video down but even worse is that remember in this country may have a freedom of the press we have a freedom of uh we have the first amendment in australia in great britain as we found out during the whole piers morgan thing they can actually censor the media with to with whatever they want they could say oh you're you know issuing damaging information that's really how you see the media become an almost total and complete arm of the state whenever it comes to these draconian measures and you know we're all just watching this with horror i, I don't even know how this could possibly happen in a western country but it's bringing out the true colors in a lot of well, there's a lot to say there. Um, first of all, part of why this is important for an American audience is that that type of media censorship is something that a lot of liberals have gotten behind. Um, they would like to see, you know, they would like to see the U.S. government have more of those powers of censorship and use them against media outlets, which, as you said, the inevitable byproduct of that is you have effectively state TV, which in some ways you already have, um, but that's by their own choice, apparently, and by what they believe the profit motive dictates to them. The other thing is that it reminds me very much of the sort of draconian measures that were taken by places like China earlier in the pandemic. So to see, you know, a government that supposedly is, you know, a free and open democracy engaging in these sorts of authoritarian tactics is quite shocking. I think it's also important to remind people that uh, Australia's vaccination rate is extremely low. I think the last number I saw was something like 30 percent. Um, mm. They've said they want to get it to 70 percent, 70 percent before they lift the lockdown. That's a long way to go. Um, and so it's going to take a lot of time before they achieve anything approaching 70%. Then you got to ask, okay, well, and that, does that then include you have to have had your booster shot? And where does it ultimately end? And the reason that the vaccination rate was so low, part of it is because Australia before now, they really hadn't had an issue. While we were all locked down, they were fine. Um, they had, you know, compl almost completely shut down their borders and sort of self-quarantined. They're on the continent um, and they were able to keep any sort of spread at bay. Delta has really changed the game for them. But because they had gotten off scot free for is that racist to say? Is that problematic? No, scot -free? no, we're not Still getting into that. that. No. Anyway. OK. Anyway, since they'd gotten <laughs> scot free up until this point, there was kind of a lax attitude around the public. But then the leadership also said um, it's not a race to get the vaccinations done. So there was a lackadaisical attitude among the you know, top elites right. and public officials as well. 
so plenty of blame there for the elite class in Australia. And it's an incredibly dystopian and disturbing scene to watch unfolding from afar. Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible uh, what we're saying. And you know, that's a very good point about the vaccinations and more. And exactly, you know, I just I just hope that they get out of this thing sometime soon. Hey, guys, thanks so much for watching. That's right. Just as a reminder. You- OK, I think there was one more that I wanted to play for you guys. And it was Rand Paul. I'm just going to go in and type in, let's see, Rand Paul COVID. Right. These days you can type anybody's name with COVID and find some, you can find some um, little guy that is a janitor in a tenement building somewhere in Brooklyn and type his name in and type uh, COVID and you probably have about 30 different links to it. Let's see. Rand Paul. Okay. Versus Senate witness. Is that it? That's kind of what he was doing. Oh, clashes with witness over. Here it is. Hey, hallelujah. Here we go, folks. We all have a common problem. We got commercials again. Skip ads. I agree with you that um, misinformation is leading to vaccine hesitancy. And I think probably the largest area of misinformation is actually coming from the government regarding natural immunity. There's actually dozens and dozens of peer-reviewed articles on natural immunity. The natural immunity uh, is robust. Study from Washington University School of Medicine just recently says mild infection with SARS-CoV-2 induces a robust antigen-specific long-lived humoral immune memory in humans. Cleveland Clinic study, 50,000 employees showed that those who had had the disease previously had the same, if not better, immunity than those who'd been vaccinated. If we deny this and we say, stick your head in the sand, everybody be vaccinated, don't worry your pretty little head about whether you've had it or not, we don't do any testing, we have lots of ways of testing for immunity, guess what? The gov- the people are going to have hesitancy because they think you're not telling them the truth, which is true. That That's isn't true. the truth. We do know that you get uh, robust immunity from this. We also know that even taking conservative estimates from the CDC, that about 100 million people have had this. How do we know that? 34 million people have tested positive, but even the most conservative antibody surveys show that at least two people for every one that got it also had it. That's 100 million people. And so if we discount that, we say, oh, we're never getting to herd immunity. You have all these articles saying, we'll never make it, we'll never make it. We don't know if people vaccinated, but then we say, oh, we got to go harder. Now we're going to go for the 10-year-old, then the 5-year-old, then we're going to go for the 2-year-old, then we're going to say, oh, you can't leave the hospital until you're vaccinated. People are going to be hesitant because they don't believe you. And they don't believe that the risk of the disease in children anywhere equates to adults. Over 65, it's at least a thousand times more dangerous. The death rate under 25, about one in a million. If you combine natural immunity with vaccine immunity, Dr. McCary of Johns Hopkins estimates that 80 to 85% of adults have immunity and that we have reached herd immunity. Yet the government insists on discounting or really not counting at all the millions of individuals who have acquired natural immunity. This scientific error causes the government to believe that we haven't gotten there, that we have to go harder and harder and harder. There are reports of myocarditis. 
It isn't decided yet. We're in the means of talking about this. And if we just say blithely, go take your vaccine, don't think about this, that's not good medicine. We right. should think about it. I don't know what the risk is. It may turn out that it's one in 10 million. And then by all means, I'd say go. If you're over 65, I say without question, the vaccine is way safer than the disease. But I can't say that with a surety for a 10-year-old. I really can't say that. I also can't say that we haven't reached herd immunity and that we're pushing so hard on the kids that we might do damage to children with this. It's an unknown question. The science is not completely done on children. They're discussing it this week. How frequent is myocarditis? We don't know that. If it's one in 100,000 and the chance of myocarditis in the normal population is one in a million, I would probably say you ought to think twice about it. But another way to do it is we could test the children. We could test the adults. If they have antibodies, you know, let them make a choice. Let them make an intelligent choice. Some people will still choose to be vaccinated. But we are so adamant. Get the vaccine. Don't think about it. That that leads to hesitancy because people don't think we're following the science or that people who give that advice are following the science. So my question is, shouldn't previous infection be considered in the effort to push vaccination on our children? Yes, I think previous infection should be considered. Um, I also think that we need to understand that a previous infection is not as robust in protecting against new variants as the vaccine. We actually don't know be. that. We actually don't know that. Uh, all of the testing on natural immunity and vaccinated has shown that we have great immunity, both with the vaccine and with natural immunity. The Delta variant that everybody's talking about, the vaccine is very good for it. So you see hysteria on TV. We're, we're still driving this debate by the hysteria of the Delta variant. If you get vaccinated, there's a 96% chance you won't be hospitalized. The numbers are very similar for natural immunity, too. This what if, what if, what if has been played, but it's just not true, and we're scaring people needlessly. We should study it honestly in a rational fashion and give people advice, but we shouldn't be pushing people, don't think about it, just take a vaccine. Dr. Bailey, failure to acknowledge natural immunity has led to the policy of indiscriminate vaccination. So when we do this, we divert the vaccine from those who are truly needed. In India, getting to herd immunity may take a couple of years. 6,000 people were dying a day recently. And they're taking the advice of the government experts in our country that they should vaccinate everybody indiscriminately. In doing so, tens of thousands, if not millions of Indians will die because you're gonna have millions of people have already had it. If you could get the vaccine to those who need it more, you will save lives. It's the same way with diverting it to those over 65. In my community, in this country, we're giving it to a young, healthy 28-year-old uh, volunteer fireman. You know, that makes no sense at all. So do you think in countries like India, we should take into account whether you've had it to try to make the vaccine go farther so we could save lives? I can't comment on vaccine administration strategies in other countries. I do know that um, we need to ours. be a good part of the global community and provide as many vaccines uh, as we are able to, to make sure after we've taken care of our own population, which we have plenty of vaccine for. <laughs> Got it. Just in time. All right. I think that is going to conclude our video watching tonight. Which means I should probably come back here, hide that. Good, there we are. Oh, I got a little bit too restful <laughs> playing. Um, so anyway, we got to see we got senators fighting against it. Uh, two different instances: Rand Paul and uh, Ted Cruz. 
um, a firefighter, um, military people are, are trying to avoid it and deny it. Uh, with what I didn't get to show is um, healthcare workers. A lot of healthcare workers don't want it. And uh, basically because we're, we're taught about immunity in school. Okay, we're talking about immunity and that once you've had something, you've got a pretty good chance of having a good immunity towards it. Um, back in January of 2020, my wife and I were coming back from Florida. We went to visit my mother for a week and um, we stopped in O'Hare Airport. We stopped in O'Hare Airport. We uh, we went, we had, you know, whenever you go to those places, they, they park you in Terminal A and you got to walk to Terminal D, you know. It's that way every stinking time. Anyway, uh, so we walked to, to the terminal we were supposed to go to, and it was at a gate that was like halfway. And if you've ever been to O'Hare Airport, it's gigantic. Uh, almost, It's almost rivals uh, Denver. <laughs> but um, so we had to walk halfway down the concourse till we got to where we were going. And uh, when we got there, we were standing near the gate, and we noticed that there was a woman, and she was on a stretcher. They had oxygen on her. Um, she didn't look to have any kind of physical ailment that we could see, you know, a broken leg or, you know, uh, anything like that. Uh, you know, a collar around her neck because maybe she hurt her neck. No, nothing like that. And so they, after a while, they, they kind of strapped her down to the gurney and took her away. And so we were on the airplane and uh, I was watching the news. We had probably about a four and a half, five hour flight from Chicago to um Actually, we flew right to uh, Eugene, I think. Yeah. And uh, I got to watch the news and they were talking about how one of the first cases of COVID in the United States happened to be at O'Hare Airport. And it was that day. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I wonder if that woman was, you know, she had oxygen on. Maybe she was having a hard time breathing and she had she was the first case of COVID. Well, we didn't think about it. So we're walking around before we get on the plane. We're walking around the, the gate and touching things that maybe she touched and uh, and even being around the same air that she was exhaling. You know, that's if she was that sick, then it, there probably were droplet precautions and uh, and things like that, other things that are similar to that. Um, so we got on the plane, came home, and about a week later, maybe a week and a half later, I got really sick. Um, and I had a lung thing that I've never had before. Uh, it felt like when I... Because when I get asthma or bronchitis, I, I do my lung exercises, and basically it's it's breathing in deep and then exhaling really quick. Um, and I, I found that it, hurts, it helps me a lot, okay? So I was doing that, and one time I did it, and then I coughed afterwards, and it felt like something down in my right lung had separated from something else. It was like almost like a pop and then a tear. And, and after that, I didn't do my lung exercises anymore because I didn't want to aggravate anything. Had I, had I broke something or tore, torn something. Anyway, um, high fever. You know, I think it was 102 or 103. Um, and I had it for two or three days, and I got over it, and I was better. Well, my wife caught it about the same time, and she was sick. So we were kind of nursing each other, which was kind of good because if we did have COVID, and I think we did, and I'll tell you why, but um, – so, you know, I, there was no chance I was going to affect her because she was already infected. No chance that she was going to affect me because, likewise, I was already infected. So uh, we nursed ourselves back to get back to good health. And um, and that was that. Well, in um, 
the end of May, the beginning of June of the same year, I came down with something else again. And I was out, out of work for a while with that. And it was very similar to what I had in, um, in uh, January, except not as severe. But after that, I developed long haulers, which is where you have some of the symptoms. Uh, they're not as severe as they used to be, but they, it, you know, it flares up, goes away, flares up, goes away. And it was like that from like June of 2020 all the way until uh, February of 21. And uh, I missed a lot of work because it. So anyway, what I figure is that if I had a, a double dose of it, I have a lot of um, a lot of immunity and I shouldn't have to take a shot if they come around with it. But here's the caveat to that. I know you use the word a lot, but I like it. And I'm not talking about dick caveat, which is really cabot. I'm talking about something that is um, kind of calls into question something else or, you know, is the flip side basically is what it means. Um, so uh, <laughs> where's I going with this? Um, oh my goodness. I totally forgot where I was going with that. Anyway, I had it twice and uh, oh yeah. So I had the long haulers and um, that was, that was really pain. So I figured that, well, actually, in January, when I got sick, I, I I went up to Salem. I went to the Kaiser on Lancaster, and I said, I think I might have this thing, you know, and I explained what I, the story I just told you. And back in January of 2020, first of all, they didn't have a lot of tests for it. And second of all, there were so many people coming in that if you were not really actively symptomatic, I mean, like if you weren't uh, going into a coma or something, uh, on the chair while you're waiting to, to, for somebody to come out and talk to you. Um, they basically sent you home. Okay, you don't have it. Go home. They didn't know a lot about it back then. And I can't really fault them for that. But at the same time, it would have been nice to get tested so I could rule out or rule in something. So I never knew for sure if I had it. But I'm pretty sure I had it, if you know what I mean. It, it, just the, the timing, it was, was not coincidental. Um just everything kind of added up. The woman at the airport, she was probably patient one. Uh, it was just weird. So anyway, um, it's just, it's it's been pretty interesting. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, work. Um, I had a neat, neat, unique position at work because um, I already had it, okay, twice. And uh, so in... Let's see, that was the beginning of June. So let's say two weeks in June. Then I went back to work in June. And what I did is I applied for an ADA claim because the union wasn't going to help me. My doctor had given me three letters, three letters saying that I should not be floated off my unit. And his reasoning, as was mine, was that if I go to my unit every day, I'm around my coworkers every day, and I'm around the same 29 or 30 patients every day. And it was a psych hospital, so we didn't lose patients a lot. Um, so as opposed to being floated to other units where on on Monday, I might go to my unit and be exposed to, you know, five or six workers and 30 patients. Then they float me on Tuesday to another unit. I'm exposed to a different set of coworkers and 30 more or different patients. Then on Wednesday, you get floated to a third place. So you know, by the end of the week, instead of just being around 30 patients, you were three, three times five. Um, <laughs> well, 30 times five, um, 150 patients. I would be around that week instead of being around the same 
um, the same 30. And the same goes with the, the, um, the, the workers that work there. So and it makes perfect sense to me, and I think it makes perfect sense to just about everybody except the hospital. <laughs> but you're dealing with, with um, libtards when, you know, you get up to the higher echelons who you want to preserve their job instead of doing doing their job. They want to preserve it. So anyway, um, so I, push came to shove in January or February um, of 2021. I was finally denied the ADA. And I was told, you know, you're going to start floating right away. Well, I, it, during that time, uh, April, May, um, the, the long haulers kept kicking in. And the way they had it, <clears throat> the way they had it set up was really asinine. Um, you went into work every morning. You had to go through this this um, process. And this is this makes sense. I understand this. Okay, they ask you if you had a fever, if you've had a cough, you know, the, all the basic regimen of questions. And if you answered it correctly and you had a fever three days prior to that, <clears throat> they sent you home, and you had to stay home for two days. And then if you still felt bad on, on like, Sunday, because I worked uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, I did that because I got paid extra for working Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> I'm no idiot. Um, so that's weird. It's almost like I hear music. Anyway, um, so, you know, I, I missed a lot of work that way because of <clears> – <throat> If you answered truthfully, which I, I try to do all the time, I would answer, yes, I did have a fever two days ago. Oh, well, then you're going home. So then it turned, they changed it because I guess that a lot of people were doing that, you know, not truthfully. I was, I'm odd that way. I'm, I'm sorry, but I am. But um, so then they changed it to where you had to have the fever the day before. And they'd still send you home for two days. And so I missed more work, but I got paid for all those days. So I really can't complain. But the thing is that it didn't count as worked hours. It counted as just time. But, uh, actually, it counted as time where payroll was concerned, not time where things like FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act and stuff, as accrued hours that applied to your total time at the hospital so that uh, you had to work like a hundred and you know, I can't remember it was 160 hours a year or 240 hours a year in order to keep up your femla. So I lost femla because uh, I have a, a, a heart condition, you know, arrhythmia. Uh, it's not as serious as a heart condition, I don't think anyway. But um, so I lost that and it really made things difficult when my heart would start beating weird. And um, so uh, push comes to shove. Um, when I was denied, I, I appealed the denial for the uh, Americans with Disability Act. And I thought I was taking a real chance because when you work in a hospital setting like that, you have functions that you have to be able to do. Otherwise, you're not able to perform your job. And when you can't do that, you're usually down the road. <laughs> um, ADA is supposed to protect you from that, but it doesn't always work that way. So um, when I was denied the ADA, because it, during the process of them looking into it and everything, which took a long time, um, you know, they couldn't deny me any request that, that reasonable request. So I made a request that I didn't get floated to other floors. And, you know, while it was under investigation and everything else, um, and, you know, I, the, the woman that was working on my case was how she got to that position. I don't know. I don't even want to speculate. 
but um, she was a slug and she had to have it her way. And that's all there was. And her way was denying people things. And she, I wasn't the only victim where she was concerned. Um, anyway. Um, so I figured, how am I going to get out of this? Cause I know they're going to make me float and it's because I have the long haulers that puts me at danger. And uh, my doctor even said that I could get sick and die from it. Okay. And he's a pretty honest man. He wasn't just giving them fluff. So, um, I figured, well, you know what? I've got about five years in here and I could probably retire. I'm 62, you know? And, uh, so I put in for retirement and I retired. Basically though, I was forced into retirement. Um, had they not floated me and kept me on the unit, I'd still be there. And I, I was making some pretty good money, um, working there. And then all of a sudden it just kind of went, you know, and then leveled that way down here. Um, and, so, and since then, my wife's hours have been cut back a lot, too. So it's life is pretty interesting. But anyway, I didn't come here to, to give you a sob story. I just wanted to explain that I've been through this, um, through the all the garbage that can possibly be handled, handed to you um, in the way of persecution, um, uh, not being believed, and things like that. So um, anyway, I understand these healthcare workers when they, when they say, you know what, um, Okay, I don't want to catch this thing. I don't want to take the the uh, injection now because it's mandatory. When I was there, you could not take it, and you know you still didn't have to get tested or anything. But um, but it was heading in that direction, and I was like, I don't want a Q-tip stuck up my nose every day, you know, when I get in there in the morning. And you know, I, and by the time that they would get a result back, if I did have it, I could infect you know twenty or thirty people. So that's that's what I mean about asinine, the way they did things there. Well, anyway, um, they lost a bunch of people there. Um, people quit. People retired. One gal that I really respected a lot, she retired and she spilled her beans to the newspaper about everything she'd seen for the last 25 years. And uh, it went only so far and then it kind of got dropped. But just that it came out and it got into people's psyches and they know, know about it just really just tickled my fancy <laughs> to laugh about it. Good job, Roberta. Um, so anyway, you know, it's it's a, the system, the COVID system is set up for failure. It's set up to make the patient a failure. It's set up to make the institution a failure. It's set up to make businesses fail. It's set up to make everything fail, unless you're Walmart or Target or some big store that can donate to the Democratic Party, because they all do. Um, then you could stay open, but the little mom and pop shop that might have three people come in a day and would have absolutely no or very little exposure to COVID, they had to close down. They couldn't go in there. They couldn't receive customers. Uh, and now things started to, well, a few weeks ago, things started to kind of loosen up and people were getting back into the routine of being free again um, and had a glimpse of the new normal coming back. I mean, the old normal coming back. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, here in Oregon and in California, Brian could tell you, down in Los Angeles. And remember that um, fireman that was in Los Angeles? Brian's been basically told the same thing. So uh, we'll see what happens with him and, uh, you know, if he keeps his job or what. But uh, he's already become pretty resolute as to what he's going to do. And I'm not going to say it just in case uh, the off chance that one of his bosses listens to this. Or, you know, maybe the governor of California and they try to track you down. And believe me, they can do it. They've done it with me. 
uh, I made a comment on Facebook one time about um, uh, vaccines, and I used a pseudonym. And even on the page in Facebook I created, it was a pseudonym, and they still found out who I was. It took them a real long time. As a matter of fact, they made it sound like a badge of honor for me. Yeah, it took us a long time to figure out who you were. And I'm like, well, that's good. At least I did my job. Um, and I, basically, I was told to take it off the Internet and everything would be cool. And that's what I did. But um, anyway, so there's no freedom of speech whatsoever in this whole thing anymore. Uh, try to mention something on YouTube or try to mention <clears throat> something on Facebook that has anything that mentions COVID. As a matter of fact, this show is on Rumble. And if I put it in the description, because they listen to the shows anyway, but if wouldn't that be a job just listening to radio shows and getting paid money for it? I wonder if they need somebody. Uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, that's 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 the story, folks. It's it's um, it's quite interesting. It's uh, it's totalitarian and it's in a in a nature of its uh, being, and it's being used against us and. Like the guy uh, in the fire company, he's had it. He's going to fight it. And I, man, I I applaud that man. I really do. I applaud him because he's he's going to go after him. He's going to fight. He may lose, but he's going to fight. And uh, he doesn't care. <laughs> like he said, his wife's going to kill him for standing up like that. But, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. The ultimate thing is if this thing continues, he's going to lose his job anyway. So. Uh, maybe what he'll do is what I do. He'll retire, get his pension going, and and uh, and then he'll have free reign to say whatever he wants to say without the fear of being fired. They might arrest him like they do down in Australia. But uh, what a shame, too. Australia is such a wonderful little country. Uh, back in the 70s, I thought about immigrating there. I really did. I just thought it was a cool place to be, you know, with the kangaroos. And uh, back then, they wanted construction workers. They were begging you to come there. And uh, I'm glad I didn't bid to that call, right? Because I, I know that I'd probably be in jail right there because I'm a very outspoken person and I don't put up with garbage. So anyway, it looks like I've been talking for an hour and 50 minutes, folks. And, and we've been watching videos and, and seeing that people are waking up and they're starting to fight back against this thing, um, against this system, this hideous beast system, which it is. It's not the, the beast system in Revelation, but it's a good uh, predecessor or precursor. Um, I mean, even the fact that you can't buy or sell now, um, things are much worse in Israel. Um, the daughter that lives over there, um, I think it's like 70, 80% of Israel, I think it is, has been vaccinated, which is really sad because if it really does what it's going to do, then without uh, divine protection, there's going to be people in Israel dropping like flies, um, which is unfortunate, but since she didn't take the vaccine and neither did anybody in her family, her kids or her husband, um, and they've resisted it like crazy. They, um, Bennett, the new prime minister actually came out a few weeks ago and called people like that enemy of the state. Um, and that's a pretty strong thing to call somebody because basically that's what you call spies and traitors and things like that. Um, but you know, Jews have always been into that. You know, uh, people like me that, thank God it didn't happen to me, people like me that leave, not leave, but um, get a new kind of Judaism, a messianic Judaism, a completed Judaism is what we call it. Um, we're often referred to as Meshumid or traitors. Uh, 
because we, you know, we, well, we believe in Jesus now. So, you know, we can't be Jewish anymore, which is garbage, <laughs> you know, but um, anyway, it's uh, just very interesting uh, how parallels are developing and uh, parallels between uh, what happened in ancient Egypt, uh, ancient Israel, excuse me, and what's happening now parallels between what happened in Nazi Germany and, and w- most of Europe back in the thirties and forties and what's happening now. Um, you know, I, I got a kick out of it cause I didn't watch it all the way through before we, we got on the air with that guy at the fire department when he stood up and he put his hand out, like he was given a Nazi salute. <laughs> it was like, that's what it's turning into. And I've seriously thought about, matter of fact, I looked online for them. They're very expensive, but the little uh, yellow Jude stars that they used to put on during world war two about getting about a dozen of those and sewing them onto my shirts and stuff, you know, and, and I know I'm going to be asked questions about it. I'm going to say, well, no, this isn't anything that has to do with the Holocaust. It has something to do with the coming Holocaust, um, where anybody, uh, Christians, Jews, atheists, that don't believe in what's going on with COVID are, you know, could basically be locked up and probably killed. Um, although that's that's debatable, the last part. But, um, oh, my goodness, I just can't shut up tonight. Um Anyway, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I'm making up for nights when I've been kind of like blitzed or something. I don't know. Um, so, folks, I just want to thank you. Um, and I'll never stop saying what a great audience you guys are. Uh, even our, our Twitch audience now, which is watching this live, if anybody's watching. Um, uh, wonderful people. Very upbeat. And I get good remarks from, I'd say, 99.9% of the people. Every once in a while, you get a, tr- a schmuck troll in there. You know, that um, has to voice his opinion. doesn't have to, but has to, if you know what I mean. Um, but, you know, you take them with a grain of salt because that's about what they're worth, a grain of salt. The rest of you are worth diamonds and jewelry and, you know, pearls and everything else. And the dissenters, like those trolls, are little tr- grains of sand. And what do you do with sand? You brush it off. You, you know, you go to the beach, you get it between your toes, you just wash off. You know, and the sand washes away and goes down the drain and clogs it. <laughs> um, sand is, is detrimental in many ways. It's good in some ways, but, you know, not not in the way that I was thinking. Anyway, um, so, but no, you've been, a, you've been and are and will continue to be a wonderful audience. And uh, Brian and I so appreciate everybody that listens to our show, even if sporadically. But we, we do know that some people listen to it um, weekly or even more if uh, we do more shows than once a week. Uh, which happens, it's happening a lot more lately now that I'm retired and stuff. And so um, anyway, uh, heads up on Monday's show. Like I, I think I said it before, Ralph Epperson's going to be on. He's going to be talking about current events, basically. Um, all the stuff that's going on with Biden and how it applies to maybe the Constitution. Um, he's a really strong advocate of the Constitution and, and, and a very good historian when it comes to about the Constitution. Um he doesn't just tell you why it is. He tells you or what it is. He tells you why it happened and what what caused it to be that way. You know, um, that's what every doctor should be. You know, not just a, a diagnostic doctor, but going deep and telling you why, why what's wrong is wrong. <laughs> you know, um, and that's what Ralph is. So that's going to be a good show. So be me, Ryan and Ralph on um, on Monday. And uh, and then we'll go from there. So uh, there's a good chance that since it's only What's today? Thursday? Oh, wait a minute. I've been talking so long, it went into a new day. It's Friday now. Um, So, anyway, uh, 
yeah. So, you know, if I get the urge, if something really um, gets to me and I have to talk about it or research it or something, we'll be doing another show before Monday. Highly, highly doubtful, but who knows? You know, I don't try to second guess anything anymore, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit telling you what to say. So I'm going to stop right now. Uh, thank you for being a wonderful audience. I pray that you have a wonderful weekend this weekend. All of you, even if you're not uh, regular listeners, have a blessed weekend. If you see this show, you know, during or before the weekend or, you know, blessings for weekends go um, consecutive. So, you know, if you don't get blessed this weekend, take it next weekend and a weekend after that and a weekend after that. Let's just make it a running blessing. Okay. But uh, may the Lord just watch over you. May God guide your coming in and you're rising up and you're lying down. You're coming in and you're going out. Uh, may he bring you peace and joy. And uh, may he just uh, prove to you more and more every day how much he just really loves you, cares for you, and wants the best for you. And the best for you ultimately is to know him more and more until the day when he calls us up and says, hey, come up here. And we get out of this stinking world that's full of corruption and lies, and we go to be with him in heaven, a perfect place where people like me will not put on weight, where I'll probably have black hair and beard and black beard again and look like I'm in my 30s. That's my that's my theory. Like they say on TV, that's my opinion. Um, so I think we're all going to be 30s. We're going to be in perfect health. We can eat anything we want to and not put on weight. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? It'd be nice if they had a white castle in, in heaven. Um I'm not picky. I don't eat steak. Just feed me white castles. Um, and there's there's not going to be any cholesterol. There's not going to be any heart disease. And uh, the only thing I don't can't figure out, and maybe I shouldn't uh, or even try, is, uh, you know, in this existence, when you eat something, after about 24 hours, it wants to go away. Um, I don't know how that's going to happen in heaven, if that's going to happen at all. Maybe it'll just metabolize differently and just disappear into the ether. That would be nice. Um be nice if it happened here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, God bless you guys and gals. And uh, we'll see you on Monday if we don't see you sooner. In Yeshua's name, be blessed. Amen and amen.